Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 17th of April 2016, entitled Guided by God, and the Bible reading is Psalm 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, let me invite you to open your Bibles this evening to Psalm 32, Psalm 32. And uh, I mentioned this morning that... uh, that would be looking at uh, the simple thought uh, this evening of guided by God, being guided by God. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's stand to honor the reading of God's Word as we begin reading in Psalm 32, verse 1. Word of God says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. She lost. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Shiloh. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Shiloh. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou should go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto me, unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, Mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Father, we thank you again this evening. Lord, as we've already said for this time that we have together together, and Lord, as we gather here, we're so thankful for your word that we have before us that's been preserved right through the centuries. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us. Now we are full aware, Lord, that as we turn to this time and this service when we look into your word, that, Lord, it is you that we depend upon totally and completely. Please speak to our hearts this evening, Lord, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. Father, I pray that you would speak to each heart that which they most need because you know exactly every individual here this evening precisely what their need is. So, Father, may you move amongst us as only you can. May you receive all the glory and honor for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to be looking there in in just a moment, but one other verse that I'd like to read, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, as children of God, we have 
a special guidance that the world doesn't have. It's interesting because though it's not all that we're looking at here, you know, in our passage here this evening, we find that this begins, and David, it's almost, I asked David earlier what he was going to preach, and he said he was going to preach on forgiveness. And uh, that's where this passage begins. It begins with those that are thankful for being forgiven. So much to praise and thank God that our transgressions have been covered because if he still sees us in our sin, then we cannot hope for what follows in that. The sin has been acknowledged. The sin has been forgiven. And then he realizes that as one of God's children, that it's God that's going to protect him. There are going to be tough days. There are going to be difficult things. There are things that are going to come, but God is his hiding place. God is the one that he says will preserve him from the trouble. He shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. He's a child of God. And as a child of God, he knows that he's going to be protected and preserved for eternity. But it's verse 8 that I want us to focus our attention on this evening. Those that are being led by the Spirit are those that are the sons of God. I want to talk about this evening truly being guided by God. And I want it to go without, it shouldn't be without saying that what we look at here, first of all, is the way to be guided by God, first of, along, first of all, is to belong to God. It is those that are His children that will be guided by His Spirit that lives and dwells within them. But as we look here in this passage, I find that I've often over the years, I've, I've had people come up and ask me, well, how do I know what God wants? How do I know if it's God that's guiding and leading? And, and I've often had to be honest that sometimes the hardest way that I have, the hardest thing that I have in dealing with in finding God's guidance is me, getting me out of the way, getting my thoughts, my ideas, what I want to do, what I think is right, all these things that are there. We need, as we could look many other places, our minds as Christians need to be renewed from all the garbage that, that has been put in there. But guidance is something that most people want in life, but so often they're fearful that they're not going to have it. What should I do from the very time? You know, even some of you young people this evening that are here that maybe you have, maybe you're still in school, maybe you're in university, maybe you've got all these, these big choices that you have to make that are going to affect your future. Well, I've said many times as you get to be a not quite as young a man as, as, uh, as me, I'm not old yet, but not quite as young as I used to be, we can look back and amazingly, it's not a lot of those really big decisions that are the ones that have affected our life the most. It's some of those that seem so small and insignificant at the time, maybe even unimportant. And if we're not careful, what we will do is we'll just bust through some of those things a lot of times without God's guidance because we've already got all the answers. We've already got it figured out. We already know what we want and where we're going, and we don't pause many times because maybe we don't even think that God's interested in that. I want to remind you this evening, there is nothing in your life that God is not interested in. He wants, He loves every part of you. He wants to guide you in every step that you make. And of course, you know, we could 
write books on the thought, but I want to give you a few simple thoughts here this evening. And the first thing is we talked last Sunday morning and and this Sunday morning as we are continuing, I think it was number 26 in our Genesis series, and we've been talking about the assurance of God's promises, knowing that we can count on every word that God promises us. And we've talked a lot about promises. And that's where I want to begin here this evening, though, that with that in mind, God makes us a promise that we can have godly guidance. And, you know, sometimes in life there's things that we don't even question. We know that we need guidance. We don't know what to do. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. But what I want you to grasp is the fact that every day of our lives, whether we're conscious of it, whether we're thinking about it, whether we realize it fully or not, we need to be guided by God every step of the way because so many of those steps can lead us down a wrong path, can be just the first step. But notice what he says here. First of all, I want us to think of the promise that God makes to us here. He says in verse 8, I will instruct thee. I mean, you don't got to go back to the Hebrew to figure that out. I will instruct thee. Now, what that word instruct there, really, the idea it carries with it, and it really kind of comes to light because if you notice, he begins verse 8 with, I will instruct thee. But he tells us in the next verse, be not as the horse or as the mule. Now, I don't, I'm assuming that it's the same thing here. But, you know, the thing that we used to think about, the first thing, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of a mule? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. No matter, you want to get him to go, he wants to stand still. Whatever you want to get him to do, he wants to go the other way. Stubborn. God says, be you not as the horse or as the mule here, which have no understanding. Now he goes on talking about, you know, you got to put the, the bridle, the bits in the mouth, and you got to make him go where he's going. Don't be that way. Don't be somebody that doesn't have any understanding, that doesn't know where to where that you have to be forced into these situations. I will instruct thee. The word there, instruct, literally means to be wisely understood. <laughs> so God's saying to us here, I will cause you to wisely understand. Don't be like the horse and the mule that have no understanding. I will instruct thee. I will cause thee to have wise understanding. It's not a question of begging. It's not a question of having to talk God into it. You know, there's some people in life that you may be impressed with their wisdom and what they know, and you may go along and, boy, if I could just talk them into helping me, it may be a, a business venture, it may be your love life, or whatever it might be, and this person has all this experience, and you want some, some guidance, and you want to, you don't have to talk God into anything. God promises, I will instruct thee. I will cause you to wisely understand. He's volunteered this. I will cause you to wisely understand, he says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. There is no question there. I will. I looked that word at I will teach thee. And actually, if I've counted correct, it's found something like 84 times in the Bible. It's translated 42 times as teach, and then there's a few other words that it carries along with it, but... 
We all know what it means to be taught. We all know what it means. Sometimes, sometimes we're taught willingly. Sometimes we're taught with great difficulty. Uh, sometimes we enjoy the instruction and in being taught. Sometimes we resist it and we don't want to know. Well, I want you to know this evening, you know, whatever, and everybody here is individual, everybody here is unique, everybody has their own thoughts, their own challenges, their own difficulties, every one of you will be facing something different tomorrow, some of you may know what the other one's going through, and some of you have no earthly idea what they're going through, but individually, God has promised individually, I will, I'll help you to have wise understanding I will teach you, teach you specifically, he says, in the way which thou shalt go. You see, one way that God teaches us, one way that God guides us, I guess I should say, one way that he gives us understanding uh, is to teach us in the way which thou shalt go. What, what, what direction? The way here literally means the road, the distance, the journey, the path that you're following in life. God is making you a promise. I will help you to have wise understanding and teach you exactly which way to go, which path to follow, where your life needs to go. We head out on our journey so many times. I don't care if it's this day or next week. We head out on these journeys and we just head out the door on our own and we never even think about where we're going. You know, I told somebody, somebody, where was it? We were trying to find some place not too long ago. And of course, the old sat nav was saying, you know, turn left here and turn right there and go straight here and, you know, get in the right lane and all these different things that it gives you. And most of the time it gets you where you're going. Sometimes you end up saying, you have arrived at your destination. You're saying, oh yeah, <laughs> this don't look like where I was planning on going. But you know, they're great things. They're guidance systems. And I mean, you know, this is all that technology that came about through all kinds of things. I mean, originally, you know, they used it for spaceships and they used it for airplanes and they used it for ships out on the, now we have all got it on our, on our phones that we carry around with us all the time. We find that... Uh, it gives us guidance. Most of the time it's right. It gives us guidance as to where we are and where we're going and what journey, what, what path to take. And somebody said, what did we do without these? And I said, well, I don't know about you, but I used to go down the road with a, with a road map up on the steering wheel. I'm trying to see where I'm going and which way to go all at the same time. So in that way, it's a little bit safer. But I said, you know, one thing about it, when I used to have to sit down and read the road map, I remembered the next time I went, oh, I was supposed to turn right there. You follow the GPS, I never remember. The next time I want to go, I still got to follow the GPS because I didn't pay any attention the first time because I was just doing what I was told to do each step of the way. We have guidance in a lot of different ways. But God is showing us here, he says, I will give you wise understanding. I will teach you what path, what road, what destination, the way that I want you to go with your life. And notice what he says next there. He says, I will guide thee with mine eye. I will guide thee with my eye. I don't know if they, I guess they still got them. We used to have, 
when I was in, in high school and you're trying to figure out a lot of those big life questions like what do I do when I graduate and suddenly I'm supposed to be earning my own way and earning my own living? Am I going to go off to university? Am I going to get a job? Am I going to do all these things? Well, they had an individual that sat in an office there at the school that was to give you guidance and where to go with your life. And they were called a guidance counselor. And so they would help you. You would go in there and you say, well, this is what I'm studying. And they had all these things where, you know, you could figure out what you liked and what you disliked and what you had any aptitude for and what you needed to stay away from and, and all these different things. But these people were set there to guide you, to advise you. Well, God is telling us a lot of things here. He says, I'm going to instruct and teach you. I'm going to give you wise understanding and teach you the path that you need to go, the way that you need to go with your life. But this is very important. I will guide thee with mine eye. God's going to give us guidance, but he's going to guide us with his eye. You see, <laughs> we're pretty short-sighted. We can't see around the corner, the one corner. God can we can't see what tomorrow holds. God can. And this was something that even though I know, I know how hard all this gets in the brain, whether it's trying to figure out what to do with your education and your life or what to do, whether you're going to take that promotion or not take that promotion or take this job or take that job or buy this house or not buy that. There's so many choices, so many decisions. But what I want you to grasp, God has promised that if you are his child, God has promised, full stop. God has promised that if you are his child, if your transgressions have been covered, if you are saved and a child of God, that he will give you wise understanding and teach you the very way that you should go, that he's going to guide you with his all-seeing eye. God knows it all. We come up with a lot of these really big, big words. You know, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He has all power. And we come up with all these words. But truth is, God's the only one that those words fit. They describe who he is. He is also omnipresent. He's everywhere. <laughs> he knows. He knows what tomorrow holds. He also knows what next year. And, and I can remember with, with even with our own children, I can remember those, those tough decisions when, you know, Am I going to go on to university? And so what am I going to study? And, you know, what, what direction do I want this to take my life? And, you know, I don't think they ever really fully understood just how serious Dad was. You know, I wasn't trying to make it light when I said, you need to pray like you've never prayed before. You see, that was another part that we, before getting to this guidance, it was prayer. We need to go to God. We need to pray. We need to ask him. We need God's guidance. But we, can, we don't have to be frightened about what's around that corner. He's promised to protect us, to preserve us. We don't have to worry. We know we've got a crazy, crazy enemy out there. We know this world is full of crazy people that he has their influence on them. We know we're going to have to face a lot of crazy things in life. But I want you to know that as a child of God, I, you know, I find it harder and harder to try to figure out what would it be like to have to go through life without God? What would it be like to have to go through life 
as a non-Christian, as a non-believer, not having God as part of my life. Well, there's an awful lot of things that you have to begin to calculate there, but as Christians, we ought to realize we are a very, very privileged people. And the God that holds the power of the universe, the God that created everything that is, the God that created you from nothing is the God that has promised you that he personally, I will give you wise understanding. I will teach you in the path, the way that you should go with your life. I'm going to guide you with my eye. I know everything that you're going to face. I know where your life can be used the most. I know not only where I need you, that my will can be accomplished through your life. I know every struggle that you're going to have along the way. I know where you'll be the most fulfilled in your life, where you'll truly have the joy, the peace that I want you to have. So I want you to just remember this evening. I want to remind you that God has promised you that as his child. And if you're not his child, you need to realize that you don't have much hope in this whole guidance thing, but there's one that will guide your life if you'll turn to him, if you'll go to him. He wants to guide you. He wants to be there with you. Well, how's he going to do that? You see, the Bible not only gives us the promise, but I want you to notice, secondly, the procedure. How's God going to do it? Well, turn to another psalm with me in Psalm 62. You pardon me if I do a bit more... Uh, sniffing than usual this evening. I'm beating this cold, praise God. I'm glad that's one path that I've already been down this week and going out the other end of it, praise God. Psalm 62, the psalmist begins here, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence, they only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Verse 5 says, My soul, wait Thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. So he begins in verse 1, truly my soul waiteth upon God. In verse 5, my soul wait thou only upon God. Interferences are going to come. You know, I used to, I know it's, I look so athletic, don't I? <laughs> I used to love athletics when I was younger. And, of course, two sports that I really, really enjoyed, this, two that's not quite as popular over here, one was, was basketball and the other one was American football. And, and, of course, in both of those games, uh, there are rules that you have to play by. And one of the things that you're not allowed to do is interfere with the other player in the wrong way. You know, for example, if you're getting ready to take your shot in basketball, if I come up and knock your arms out of the way, I've been afeared they're going to call a foul on me and they're going to give you some free shots for doing it. 
if I come up and grab you by your face mask and interfere, or if, if you've got a pass that's coming in and I push you out of the way, pass interference, they call it. I'm going to be penalized because I interfered. Well, when you head out on this path in life, even following God's guidance, I want you to realize there are going to be interferences. The devil's going to try to interfere with you, and he's going to try to fog your mind up, and he's going to try to get you unsure. He's going to remember this morning when we, when we talked about Christian in the allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, and when he got off the path, because <laughs> he was following the path of life, but he saw a path that looked like an easier way to go. But when he went down that path, he wasn't far down that path till he met, who did he meet? Anybody remember? Giant, giant despair. And where did giant despair live? In Doubting Castle. That's right. And so he locked him away in that dungeon and he was in despair until hope, which was with him, reminded him what God had done for him, how God had protected them and preserved them and all that God had done for him before. And so, you know, it's like midnight and they begin praying and it's almost daylight and, and suddenly it's just like suddenly it's just a total change. He says, I've got the key of promise in my soul that'll unlock any door in Doubting Castle. It's the promise of God. You see, you may not know where to go. And sometimes there might be some interference Wait on the Lord. We're such an impatient lot. We want to get it now. We want to go where we're going. We want to get there. We want to get it done. Sometimes we need to be still. We need to wait. We need to let God guide us. Don't just jump out there and do it ourselves. Interferences will come. Sometimes it's your own mind, things that you've been taught, things that people put there the old sinful nature that you're going to battle with all the time. Believe it or not, some of your friends, some of them may be good friends and some you probably not ought to have anyway. Family, yes, sometimes family can run interference. God's wanting you to go one direction and they're trying to get you to go some other direction. What does God want? Sometimes it's hard to hear God above all the talk of everybody else. I started telling you in the beginning that when people ask me sometimes, you know, one of the hardest things is trying to figure out what God wants, not what I want. And, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm, I started to tell you how old I was. I've been, I've been through this a lot of times. <laughs> and God and I have had an awful lot of conversations on this subject. And I still sometimes Act like I've got the understanding of the horse or the mule. Stubborn. I got it figured out. You know, I don't, I don't, but what I'm saying is there's nothing we've got figured out. Even if it looks just like it did before, God knows what's on the other side of it. God knows what's there. How can we know? We need to wait upon the Lord. Sometimes we just need to, if you pardon the expression, we just need to shut up and listen. Sometimes we're so busy impressing everybody else with how we've got it all figured out that we're not just being still and waiting and listening 
to God. We find that if we look into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 6, the Bible says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You see, there's a place for public prayer. There is a great strength. You know, I guess I've heard the saying all my life, the family that prays together stays together. You know, that's something that is very true of a church family as well. The church family that prays together stays together because one of the ways that the devil will run some of the greatest interference a lot of times is when he starts putting one against another and one against another and all this discord. It's hard, very hard to stay upset. It's hard to be upset with your wife or your husband if you're praying together. It's hard to be upset with the person sitting there with you in the congregation if you're praying together. Your focus gets off of you and on to God. There's a time. I've often said, Brother George, that probably the most, the least effective prayer that any of us pray is what we pray in public. Because you know what? If you're honest, as soon as I call upon you to pray, if you're not careful, the thing that'll hit there, you know, is, you know, what am I going to say? What are people going to think about what I'm saying. We are afraid that we will not pray in a way that others will be happy with. When you're by yourself in the closet, believe me, you're not worried about what anybody thinks about what you say. But so many times I'm just saying, distraction, that simple distraction when we get worried about what other people are going to think rather than just communicating with God. We need to wait. Sometimes the Bible shows us that we just need to get alone with God. We need to spend time. Remember what we talked about last Sunday evening? Why was it that the disciples couldn't get those evil spirits out? But yet when Jesus came along, he did. But he came along and he told them, why, why couldn't they do that? And you can. These things come only by what? and fasting, spending time alone with God. We want it to be magical. I'm saying to you, most of the Christian walk is pretty simple. I wish, you know, again, from, from my own children to, to within the church so many times over the years trying to understand, look, what makes, what's the difference in a Christian that stays with the stuff that doesn't get knocked down in, 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 the, in the ditch somewhere that's able to, to keep pressing on, even though they may be going through battles and struggles and the enemy's throwing all kind of interference their way. It's usually the simple things. Most of the time you'll find that they're reading their Bibles more. They're praying more. It's not because they're listening to this great evangelist that can preach like nobody else on the face of the earth can preach to, because they're spending more time with God. It's the simple things. Remember, God has promised you that he will give you wise understanding, that he will instruct you, that he will teach you. 
that he will guide you in the path that you need to go down with his eyes, not with yours. He has all-seeing eyes. He's promised you that. He's promised you that if you are a son of God, a child of God, then you can be led by the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within you. God is there with you. Wait upon him. Don't head out on your own. Wait upon the Lord. Get along with him. Spend time in prayer with him. Now, I know that you know that we couldn't make a statement like that without reading a couple of verses in Isaiah that are very, very familiar to us. In Isaiah chapter 4, chapter 40, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's life's journey. That's on life's path. That's the path that God has promised to guide you down. If you'll go to him, if you'll wait upon him, if you wait upon the Lord, he will renew your strength. I love this. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. There's, I know I'm a little bit biased as an American because that, that eagle has an awful lot of symbolism for us. You know what Ben Franklin wanted to make the, the national bird of America instead of the eagle? He wanted to make it the turkey. <laughs> he thought it was such a gentle, beautiful animal out there. He wanted the turkey to be the national bird. I'm glad the eagle won out, praise God. But if you've ever seen an eagle, and I love even, even in the mountains of North Carolina, you get up there in the mountains and you can see these, these eagles just soaring. And these mountains, you're, you're up so high and yet they're just soaring above everything. He says, they that wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll be able to soar above all the garbage You'll be able to, to get above all the interferences and everything that's, that's being thrown your way. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I know. Sometimes you get to thinking you just can't go any further. <laughs> wow. I'm just wore out. You know, I've been honest before when, when people have often asked, you know, as, as a pastor, do you, do you ever feel like quitting? Because they kind of expect you to be, you know, I, I'm just a normal guy that's probably in worse shape than most of you. <laughs> you know, do you ever feel like quitting? Now, I usually answer something like, well, only on Monday mornings, uh, only after Sunday. <laughs> um, but, but the truth is, is that I can honestly say with all of my heart, I've never thought about quitting on God. <laughs> Not since I did it one time. And as a 21-year-old man, when I came back to God, I'd never want to go back to where I went then. So I've never, I can honestly say I've never thought about it. It doesn't mean I can't. It's only by the grace of God that any of us don't fall out there somewhere. I have thought about quitting preaching before. <laughs> I've thought about quitting the pastorate before. I've thought about quitting a lot of things because of ineffectiveness and struggles and battles and, and all the things, a lot of the interferences that get thrown away but what we need to realize is even in those times, we just have to pause and wait upon the Lord. 
You know, I have to admit, there have been a few times in the last 25 plus years that I wanted to leave Bethel, <laughs> that I wanted to leave Birmingham, that I wanted to go somewhere else with my life. But I'm glad that I waited upon the Lord before heading out on that path because too bad for you, <laughs> but I'm still here because God didn't let me go because I do know with absolute certainty that God wanted me to stay regardless of whether anybody else did or not. God did. And that's the thing. That's what we have to know wherever we are in life. That's how we'll get through those tough days is knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you are being guided by God, that you're where God wants you to be. He's promised that he will, and he will. But you need to wait upon him. God tells us about what he calls a still, small voice. A still, small voice. Sometimes, you know, how do you explain that still, small voice that comes from within? Well, I probably related this to some of you before in my years here, but I guess one of the times that I remember God's still small voice so clearly was when I was actually fighting God. <laughs> I was trying my best to talk God out of coming to this beautiful, wonderful country of yours. And I had all these excuses, and one of my biggest one was my children. You know, I didn't want to take them out because they were in their nice, protected Christian schools, and I was trying to build all this protection around them, and and, 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 and that was fine. That was good. I think I was doing what I was supposed to do for them there. But I can remember when God began to speak to me about it's time to pack in that job and pack up that house and pack everything up and go off to somewhere else and start again for me. And I had all these things, but my children were my biggest struggle. You know, I felt like that even there, I felt like that I wanted to build as many walls to keep the devil as far away from them as I possibly could. I wanted to protect them from the sinfulness of this world. And I've said many times that I remember the night, and many of you will remember Brother Richard Rawls that preached many missions conference forces here. And he was preaching in my home church, and he was a young man at that time, as I was a very young man at that time. And he'd been preaching on missions. It's during our, our annual missions conference. And ironically, because Brother Rawls has been a number of years in Mexico, he was, he was talking about Mexico, and he was telling us about a young man there by the name of Raphael. <laughs> and he was telling us this story about how Raphael, matter of fact, I had him tell that story here one time because, man, God used it to hit me over the head with a ball bat with it. But I remember at the end of that service that night, I knew without any shadow of a doubt, because up until that point, I'd been training for the ministry. I'd had a couple of churches contact me about pastoring, and I figured just like my granddads and my dad before me, I'd just follow right on and pastor a church right there in the same county like, like they had all done and all these things, but I couldn't figure out because, you see, I couldn't get that peace. You know, I just couldn't get that. I knew that it wasn't God's will, and, and that night God began to and then God began to deal with me about missions. And man, I was surrendering. I was, I was going to Africa and Iceland. And I forget, all these, these missionaries would come by and God had given me such a burden for missions. Wherever they were showing a need, I was ready to pack up and, and go off. And yet I was so frightened about that. And the night, that night he was preaching about the needs in Mexico. But I had read an article not long before that about 
Churches here in England that were closing their doors by the hundreds every year, shutting down. I've seen pictures of a lot of these old chapels that had been turned into anything and everything from warehouses to grocery stores to bars to houses to everything. And, and of course, you know, I had for years, you know, I had heard my wife praying for her family because all of her family were here and she loved them so dearly, but they didn't know Christ. And having lived here and been here, I knew this, but, you know, I, I just, I was not willing to listen to that voice. And that night as God began to, boy, you know, hit me. And it's funny how a sermon can be preached about Mexico and all you're hearing is England. <laughs> but I remember getting home that night and I was in my two oldest son's bedroom. And man, was I having this battle, raging battle inside of me, you know, God, you know, how can I, how can I do that? How can I, how can I take them out of these schools and how can I take them to a place you're, you're showing me that the needs are great. There's not going to be any Christian schools there. and There's not going to be these ways of protecting them and all of this. And all of this, I, I, you know, I, I cannot even explain. But it's like even in that bedroom that night, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm not charismatic here. I mean, the windows didn't rattle and the glass didn't shake and the lights didn't go up and down or anything like that. But boy, did that still small voice speak to me. And it was as if God was saying to me, you know, you're trying to build all these walls of protection around your children. But what about me? Do you honestly believe that you can protect them more than I can? You know, this, God's the one that promised to protect and to preserve. Now, I'm just saying, I believe, I don't believe God speaks, and God forgive me if I'm wrong, and he'll straighten me out one day. I don't believe that he speaks to me through rattling glasses and misty smokes, and I don't believe that he comes speaking to me in these weird, strange ways. I believe that he speaks to me from the one that lives within me through his word. And that's where when God speaks, you can know that it's God. You know, you can, you can convince yourself of some pretty strange things that you're trying to tell yourself and trying to tell yourself that it's God that's telling you that. I believe that God speaks through his word. And he'll confirm it through his word. We find that the psalmist said there in Psalm 62, my expectation is from him. God has promised you. What I'm saying to you is don't look for all these weird and wonderful things. Get along with God. Wait upon him. Spend time with him in his word on your needs, expecting him to speak to you by his spirit through his word. That's the procedure. That's the way I believe with all my heart that God will guide you. You know, I've had people come up, and, and I, I'm careful about saying this because I appreciate anybody that cares for me in any way. And I've had people come up to me and pray that God would give me some kind of a vision or pray that God would help me to speak in an unknown tongue and pray that God would do this and to do that. And, all. and honestly, I know that some of those people loved the Lord, and they meant it for good. I remember telling one of the ladies one time, I said, well, you keep praying and praying and praying and praying. I can use all the prayers. 
I'm not sure that you're praying for the same thing that I want, but if you're praying for God to work in my life, you just keep on praying because I want God to do what only he can do. The promise is from God. The procedure is spending time with him, not the world. Don't look to the world. We've talked a lot about a lot of these things. It's not the world's so-called knowledge and science. They'll never understand the spiritual things. I appreciate knowledge. One of the most dangerous times for most young people, young people that are here this evening that are, that are in university, man, learning is great. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God gives gold stars for dumbness. You know, he wants us to learn and understand, but not without God. And one of the dangerous times is when you go off to this world's learning centers, and the vast majority of them are so liberal in their views, they don't even believe that a God exists. And let me tell you, when you start taking God out of the picture, a lot of things look a lot different. The practice, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We've seen the promise. We've seen the procedure. Let me just give you this in closing. The practice. For as many as are led. <laughs> you know what that means? It means literally. It is a picture. Joseph, if I come there and I got a hold of you right now, and I picked you up and I led you down here, and I said, I want you to sit right here instead. As many as are led. That's what God will do. God will literally lead us every step of the way for as many as are led. Who's doing the leading in your life? Is it the spirit that lives within you? Or is it your own ideas and desires and wants and plans for your future? Again, I'd remind you that it's the sons of God that are being led here. We, the children of God, can be led by a source that is it's not of ourselves. It's a source that is God himself in his spirit living within us. And have any of you ever take a dog for a walk? <laughs> you get the dog on the leash and you're taking him somewhere and everything's going along just fine. And suddenly he or she sees maybe a dog of the opposite sex. And whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, suddenly it don't want to go where you're wanting it to go anymore. It's wanting to go its own way. You still got him on the leash. Something has come along that's got him wanting to go a different direction. Well, you know, God is sovereign. And God is in control. And it's hard for us to get our heads around it, but it kind of helps me to think of it this way. He still gives us that, that freedom. We can make choices every day of our life. We make choices and whatnot, but God is still in control. God's only going to let you go so far, and he's going to pull you back. Now, we find that even when we come around the Lord's table and whatnot, he tells us that he wants us to examine ourselves. He doesn't want to judge us and have to chastise us and have to, to get us where he wants us. He wants us to look at ourselves and deal with these things in ourselves to get our lives where he wants us to be. You may think it's kind of rash and hard. But though God gives you some freedom and you've got the freedom to choose and you can go out there and get on the wrong path and do the wrong things, I don't believe that a child of God that is being led by the Spirit of God can do that and get away from it. I could give you all kinds of illustrations, but just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
And you find that there, that there was this one that within the church that was in a less than honorable relationship with what appears to be a stepmother. <laughs> and the thing is, is the church wasn't doing anything about it. But the Bible there talks about that one being turned over to Satan for destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. You don't play games with God. I don't understand everything about it, but you don't, as a child of God, you know, God gives you a certain amount of freedom. You're not a robot. He could have made you a robot. He could have programmed you to know, where you could never, ever do anything wrong. But you got to realize he's in control. And in practice, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. In practice, you are being led by God himself. It's God that is in control. The thing is, do you want to go down the path that he wants to take you down? In the Gospel of John chapter 10, and in verse 27, and I'm going to close after this. How many times have I closed? I've got a couple more to go, I think. John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep know my voice. And he says, they follow me. You see, if you're a child of God this evening, there's so many times when you look at the Bible, God will speak to you. God will guide you. You've got, just wait upon the Lord. Don't be like that crazy dog that's got his mind on something else that's trying his best to go off in a different direction. And God's got the leash on you. Wait on him. Find his guidance. Let him take your life and use it and make it. You can know. You don't have to be in doubt. How can you truly know that this is what's going on in your life? Well, first thing you got to know, you got to know this, please. You got to know that you're a child of God. You got to know that. Do you realize that I, I have absolutely no ulterior motive? The church doesn't give me a raise because somebody gets saved. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason for me to encourage you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, except for what it's going to do for you, not what it's going to do for me. Knowing what's around the corner if you don't accept that. You want to be guided by God, you've got to belong to God. You've got to know that you're his child. And once you know that you're his child, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God is faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. God's grace, that's the only way that you can be saved. And the only pathway to get to that grace is by faith. And he says, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You wouldn't even know. There's nothing in this world that could tell you the truth about your life, about your sin, about your destiny, and about what God's done for you, except God himself. It won't be found anywhere else. God's the one. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing. By the word of God. 
You've got to know you belong to him. And then, boy, what we've been looking at the last year, you've got to believe his promises. You've got to believe what he says. You've got to realize that God cannot tell you anything. He cannot lie. He's never broke a promise, and he never will break a promise. You need to seek and desire his will, his guidance for your life. That's what he asks you to do. Wait. This is your roadmap. Wait with God. I don't care what it is in your life. This is where you go to investigate it. The scriptures, God's word. See what God says about it. All kind of passages we could look at there. Lay everything in the light. <laughs> you don't need to try to hide from God what you're really wanting to do when he's trying to get you to do something else. And even if you don't think it's right, or even if you're worried about it, just tell him. Just lay it out there. God, I'm, I'm really confused here. God, I'm frightened about this. God, I don't understand this. Talk to him. Get alone with him. Let him guide you through his words. Spend time with him. And if you would, shut up and listen. Be quiet. Quit trying to drown him out. Listen to what God's got to say. And we've looked at all those passages. And if you're having trouble, let me say this. I don't care if you've got to drop everything you're doing and you've got to get off alone, away from everybody and everything except you and God. You do it. You do it. Sometimes you just got to shut everything else out. You just got to get to where it's just you and him. I told people, you know, it's those times, you know those times in prayer, we all pray every day and we go on and, and there's, there's a great peace and a joy that comes through prayer. But those times in prayer, I was talking to Honori earlier, asking about her family in Japan with the huge earthquakes and things that were going on there. And we see these, these, these phenomenal national disasters and people's lives. Became, I can honestly say, you can be so alone, so with God. Matter of fact, my wife wishes sometimes I was a little less, a little bit closer when she's trying to, to get my attention sometimes. But you can be so alone with God, you could probably be right in the middle of one of those earthquakes and never even know that it happened. It's just you and him. The world's out there somewhere. It's just you and God. Wait upon him. Get alone with him. And if that means shutting yourself away in the closet, if it means going out on the mountain as Jesus did, if you've got to get away, get away. Can I advise you this? Get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes on the problem solver. <laughs> Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the old songwriter says. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We get so focused on the problems down here and all the interferences that are being run and all the problems that we've got to face. But we find that, you know, it's kind of like that little child. You ever seen a little child that they can be so afraid, so afraid of maybe just going from here to there. But mom or dad can come along and say, it's okay. Come on. Boom, they're gone. That assurance, that's what you need from God. Sometimes you just need to stop. Wait with him. Wait for that assurance that can only come from him the next step to take. So this evening, you can be guided by God. And like I say, it's... It's not to be in a class of instructions. It's meant to be just a sermon of encouragement tonight. Remember, 
It's God's promise. He promised you. He will give you wise understanding. He will instruct you. He will guide you down the very path that you need to go with his all-seeing eyes. He knows it all. Let him guide you and take you where he wants you. The procedure, you need to get with him. Get away from everything else and everybody else. Get with him through his word, on your knees, wait upon the Lord. Stop. If you're not sure, stop. Wait upon him. Make sure that you're spending time with him. Don't get confused with your own ideas and thoughts and, and, and whatnot that are, that are there. God's always there. He's never going anywhere. We're the ones that get in a hurry. We're the ones that get impatient. Sometimes you just need to pause and wait upon him. He will. He will. Through his word, through his spirit that lives within us. And God bless. I, I love my spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ that thinks he does it in a lot of weird and wonderful ways. And praise God, that's between them and God. But I believe that you can count on him, his word, through prayer, through the spirit that lives within you, you can know that God is there. You can know that it's God's voice. You can know that it's God that gives you that he surpasseth all understanding. You know. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord. I just, I guess for myself, certainly in reading this uh, psalm that I was reminded of your great promise. Lord, that when our transgressions have been forgiven, when our sins have been covered, once we've come into that relationship of being your children, Lord, you are our protection. You will preserve us. We don't need to worry about all of that. But Lord, day by day, we have to live in this life and we have to go through it. We have to make all kinds of choices and decisions. But you've promised us. You have promised us that you will give us wise understanding, that you will teach us, that you will Guide us with your all-seeing eye down the very path that you want us to go. Lord, I pray that you would help us this evening to count that promise as a certainty in our lives. Help us, Lord, that when we want to know the next step to take with our lives and where to go, help us, Lord, to be willing to spend time alone with you, spend time in your word and on our knees. Spend time waiting for you to show us specifically where you want us. Help us, Lord, not to be an impatient people. And, Lord, we know. We know that you will guide us through your word, through your spirit. Lord, and we pray that you would just take each and every life here this evening. And, Lord, I've got to pray that if there's anyone that doesn't have that certainty and only you know the hearts of every individual, Oh, help them to understand this evening. Lord, sin brought death. But you're willing to forgive their sins and give them life. That's your desire. That's your will because you love them that much. Help them to know that they don't have to go through this life with uncertainties. They can know that they're being guided by the very hand of the all-powerful, almighty God that created everything because they belong to him as one of his children. And Father, I pray for each and every one of your children that have that certainty already in their lives. Help them, Lord. Help them not to be distracted by all the noise and all the sounds of this world and all those interferences that may come their way. But help them, Lord, to wait upon you. 
to listen for your voice through your word, by your spirit. Lord, we know that sometimes we get all these voices going on in our head and we're talking to ourselves and we're trying to convince ourselves of all these things, but Lord, you tell us that you're sheep, that you know us, that we know your voice, and that we'll listen to you. Help us, Lord. I believe that we can know that with certainty. We pray that you'll do this work in each and everyone's lives here this evening, and we'll give you the thanks and all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 